0: Hi, welcome to the Haskell Weekly Podcast. Uh, this show is about Haskell, a purely functional programming language. I'm Dustin Seegers, a software engineer here at IT Pro T V, and I'm with the lead engineer here, and he is the host for today.
1: Hey, Dustin. It's good to be here with you in studio.
0: <laughs> it's good to be here with you too, man.
1: Thanks for joining me. My name's Taylor. As Dustin mentioned, I am the lead developer at IT Pro. I also publish the Haskell Weekly podcast. And today we're going to be talking about one of the, a story that was in one of the older issues about Boolean blindness. Mm-hmm. Dustin, could you explain to me what Boolean blindness is?
0: So, Boolean blindness is basically where you are using a bool in place of maybe something that could be expressed a little bit. Uh, more or less generically.
1: So with a bool, we have it's either true or it's false. Yes. And that doesn't encode any interesting information there. Lots of things could be represented as bools. Correct. A light switch could be a bool. Um, But Boolean blindness is saying that maybe we're better off encoding that as light switch is a special data type that could either be on or off instead of true or false. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yes, pretty much,
1: yeah. So what are the benefits of modeling one of these things as a data type rather than reusing bools?
0: Um, It's more expressive. Um, So let's say that, let's use your light switch example. On or off is better than just saying um, true or false.
1: Right, because what does true mean?
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, So we could have a data type that would be um, light switch, and we could pass that in to a function, and it could be um, either on or off versus true or false, which gives a bit more meaning to uh, what you have.
1: Exactly. That's really nice when you're calling the function because instead of saying some function true, it'll say some function light switch on or light switch off. Correct. That dream of self-documenting code. Yes, yes. (laughs) Yes. In addition to the code being self-documenting when you call it, the function, the documentation that is generated for that function, or if you're just reading through the code, that's going to be much nicer as well because it's not going to say, some function takes five booleans and returns something. It'll take a light switch state and a door state and you know all these different things that it needs. One function that we use very frequently in our code bases here is filter. And filter says, give me some predicate, some function that returns true or false, and give me a list and I'll give you back a smaller list that uh, fulfills that predicate. But for me, every time I use filter, I have to think, is this function the thing that keeps things in or the thing that keeps things out? And I can never remember, and the type signature doesn't really help me. Right. Could you tell me how Boolean blindness might help there? Or not You know, not suffering from Boolean blindness might help?
0: You could say... Uh, so I want to filter um, this list of users based on um, whether or not they are part of a team. And you, your... Um, data type, if you will, could be on team or off team, instead of just a regular old Boolean. And you could use your filter to uh, say, I want to filter only these users who are off the team. And then in that case, your filter will only take the users uh, who are not on the team, and you can do whatever you want to there.
1: Right, so that's a lot clearer than saying where team membership is true or team membership is false. It's it's uh, self-documenting just on the name of the value. Correct. But that filter function itself is still a little confusing because we have to get the concept we're interested in, which is are they on the team or aren't they, mm-hmm. into a boolean. So we have to say, you know, some equality check there. Wouldn't it be nice if we could have a filter where um instead of the filter function itself taking a Boolean, it would take some other thing like keep this thing or discard this thing. Right, yes. Instead of converting from this user is on the team or this user is off the team into a Boolean, we would convert it into a they should be kept as part of this filter operation or they should be removed. Doesn't that clean things up a little bit? Yes. Would you prefer to use a function like that or would you prefer to keep using the original filter that just has bools all over the place?
0: Uh, Probably prefer the yeah the one that does not use bulls all over the place. Yeah.
1: And why is that? <laughs> what makes it better?
0: Uh, well, it's more intuitive and it, it's more ex- expressive. So mm-hmm. you can it's it's easier to understand um, the you know the axe murderer who comes in later uh, six months down the road and is like who wrote this code uh, <laughs> won't come and find all me. The time. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, you you know he he'll be uh, a bit more docile, Mm -hmm. uh, I would think. So, yeah.
1: He might put his axe away and take out something else instead, like a feather duster. Yeah, or a burger. Burger. (laughs) (laughs) As a gift for the person that wrote this wonderful code. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That's one way that we might clean up this filter function and avoid Boolean blindness. There are other ways, too, and this blog post mentions a few of them. One example they give is changing the name of the function because... For me, like I said, the problem I have with filter is that I can never remember. Does it filter things in or does it filter them out? I don't know which way it goes. Mm -hmm. So maybe a better name would be better. Is there some other name we could use for filter that might be good?
0: Filter in or filter out would
1: be nice. (laughs) (laughs) Step in the right (laughs) direction for sure. Let's say that we did change the name of filter to filter in, Mm -hmm. but it still took a Boolean. Um, Okay. Is there any, like what's the upshot of... Doing it that way versus the way we were talking about before about using a different type.
0: So filter in that would take like maybe a keep.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Um, the upshot there is one, you're not you're not confused about what's going on, and um, it's 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 the self documenting uh, code dealio. Mm-hmm. Um And yeah, it's just more expressive again, and uh, it's just it seems like it would be better to um, to upkeep. Well, to help with the upkeep in the future as well. So,
1: yeah, because imagine that uh, bringing it back to our light switch example, mm-hmm. we currently have a very simple light switch that is either on or off. But what if we upgrade our lights and suddenly we have dimmers and we want to filter out for all the lights that are on? Well, how do we decide if a light is on or not? Like uh, to keep it in this filter or to, to rule it out? Maybe we want to say, well, at 50% brightness or once the dimmer switch hits halfway up, then it counts as on. And encoding that, I think, gets a, is a lot clearer because we would have a function that takes a light switch state and gives us back a do you keep it or do you rule it out versus something that just returns a Boolean, right? And then you're thinking, well, what is this Boolean used for later on? Right. <laughs> yeah. And it can be really challenging as, you know, like you said, six months down the line when that axe-wielding psychopath looks <laughs> at your code, they're thinking, <laughs> well, I, I can sort of understand that this function returns true when the light switch is more than 50% on, but what does that mean? Right, <laughs> yes. So we've talked about two methods for changing filter to make it more intention revealing. Either changing the type of the function that it type takes to return some better thing, like keep or discard instead of a Boolean. We've also talked about renaming it. So instead of just filter, you have filter in or filter out. Mm-hmm. The third option presented in this blog post is to make the type Um, return the thing that you want to end up with. So instead of saying, I'm only selecting things to keep or discard, instead you're kind of mapping as you're going along and producing new values, but you're wrapping those values in maybe, and you're only keeping the ones that are just some value and discarding all the ones that are nothings. That feels to me like it's very clear about which ones to keep, because obviously if you have a nothing, there isn't anything to keep there, and you can mm-hmm. go ahead and throw that one out. Right. And when there's a just, you can you can hang on to that thing. But it's unfortunate, I think, that your that two operations are getting balled together, where mm-hmm. you have mapping and like changing the values in this collection at the same time as mapping over them and filtering some of them out. Yeah. Um, what do you think about that? Is that a, a good trade-off or is that weird? Uh, so
0: my gut uh, feeling says. I don't like it, and mainly because um, I've been—it's been drilled into my head that mutation is evil. So, uh, <laughs> and it, this it, looks a little
1: like mutation. Yeah,
0: yeah, it does. Um, even if it's not um, explicitly mutation, it does feel like we're we're changing um, some essential like. Piece of this. It, it, se- it seems like side effects are happening here. So mm-hmm. um, I just, I know we need those, but uh, in just initially, I don't, yeah, I don't,
1: I don't like don't it. Don't like much. it. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like it either. And, and for the reason you mentioned, but also when I look at the type, like, so if we had this weird filter function that returned to maybe instead of returning either yes or no, or keep it or don't keep it or a Boolean, whatever, it's not clear from the type signature if the thing you're interested in doing is changing the shape of these values in the collection or removing things from the collection. Right. And when we have the two separate functions, map and filter, that does each of those things very specifically, it can be clear to me as a reader that, oh, this function, it, it's going to keep all the elements in there. They may change a little bit, and hopefully they do. Otherwise, we're not doing anything interesting. Right. Or when if I see a filter, I can think, okay, this isn't going to change any of them. It's only going to remove some of them. And I like having that assurance because when I'm trying to step through code and think of all the states it could be in, it's very useful for me to say, oh, well, I know this operation is going to keep all the elements that mm-hmm. I'm dealing with, or this one is not going to change them. Right, yes. That makes debugging maintenance a lot easier. So that's that's one of the reasons why I don't like the other method of doing this filter function. Gotcha.
0: Yep, I have to concur with those.
1: Taking it a step further, another suggestion this blog post has for a way to implement the same thing in, in yet another way. It seems like there's an endless number of ways to implement this really simple function. Yes. Uh, what they suggest is instead of returning a maybe, So either you have something or you don't. You could return a list that says either you have nothing or you have exactly one thing or you have two or three or a thousand or infinity of them, Mm -hmm. Um, which is starting to look to me not at all like a filter operation. Right. And I'm, I'm having a hard time thinking of a filter where like, okay, I want to filter out light switches that are on or off. But every time I look at a light switch, I produce two light switches. Yeah, that's That doesn't make any sense. <laughs> They're multiplying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just wanted to find all the light switches are on, and now I have twice as many light switches in here. <laughs> if only I could do that with the money, that would be nice. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I think that's coming in the next version of Haskell. <laughs> oh, nice. Print money. Yes. Okay. So I think we've covered a lot of... Interesting ways to tackle this one very simple problem of how do we filter things out of collections. Is there anything else you wanted to say about this topic? Um,
0: no, not really. Other than that, you know, uh, I feel like we encounter this a lot in Elm. Um, yeah. And I, I see that we are using it, um, or we're trying to avoid uh, Boolean blindness um, by implementing types that uh, convey uh, what, you know, uh, true or false may mean uh, specific to that function. So,
1: Yeah. And I'm, I'm trying to think of a concrete example that we've had recently. Can you think of one from mm. our Elm front end? Uh, it's
0: been a bit, but I think it was um, like, is this uh, user assigned or not? Mm-hmm. That might have been one of them.
1: I know that yeah. we have a lot of, um, I think they're called accordions in our UI. Oh, yes. Where oh, yeah. we have like three steps, but only one step can be open at a time. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of natural to reach for a Boolean in that case and say, is this one open or not? True mm-hmm. or false? And I think we try to represent that as an actual type that says, this is yeah. accordion open or accordion closed. Yeah, collapsed and mm-hmm. uncollapsed, I believe we did. And does that make the code easier to read, easier to maintain? Is it?
0: Oh, yeah. Uh, I would say definitely, even if it's just like small things, you're, you're, the cognitive overhead. is just, it's, it's reduced just cause you don't have to think much about it. It's mm-hmm. like, it's like I said, it's, it's
1: just expressive. Yeah. It's nice. You don't have that. to think, does true mean this or that? Yeah. And I know I stumble all the time when we have a value or a function that itself is negated. So it says like not turned on or mm-hmm. turned off and turned off equal true. And then I think, well, okay, so that means that it's off, which means turned on would be false. And with a specific type, you don't have to jump through those hoops every time you're analyzing one of these things.
0: Right. And even, uh, let's say, I remember uh, in that article, he had a, uh, a function with a type signature that had a bunch of bools. Um, the bools were then replaced with more meaningful you know, types. Mm-hmm. You
1: can just look at the function and determine a lot more just from that alone as well. Exactly. Do you feel like writing functions like that or writing code that uses those functions is harder than writing the similar versions that use booleans. I don't
0: feel like they're harder. Uh, I, f- I feel like they're a lot easier to use. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there may be like a little bit of um, okay. I just need to suss out what what true and false means here for this particular thing, and mm-hmm. then and then name it, which is <laughs> you know one of the hardest things to do. But um, after I get done with that, yeah, I think it's it's really nice to have.
1: So you're talking about the kind of mechanics of refactoring a function to use a specific type rather than Boolean, right? Right, yeah, sorry. No, that's okay. That, that's mm-hmm. good insight. I, I meant to ask about um, just day-to-day using one when you have to write a new function and you, and you got to use one of these that needs a specific type. Is it annoying to have to like import that type and wonder, oh, why didn't they just use a Boolean here? Um, I think after you
0: realize uh, like how useful it is to have um an expressive type like this. Um yeah, I, I think you get over that pretty quickly if you have any uh sorts of uh doubts or yeah negative feelings towards it.
1: I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I've grown to dislike Boolean so much when yep. I see one in the code I think a there's mystery. a type lurking here. Yeah. <laughs> we need to write it down somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've been talking about Boolean blindness and how you can avoid it by using more expressive types. With me today has been Dustin, one of the engineers here at IT Pro. Thanks, Dustin, for joining me.
0: Uh, Thank you for having me.
1: And thank you for listening to the Haskell Weekly Podcast. This has been Episode 4. If you liked our show, find out more at our website, haskellweekly.news. Thanks again for listening. I've been your host, Taylor Fosak, and we'll see you next week.